0: seven blessings that we obtain simply because we're saved. If you know Jesus Christ, your Savior today, then these seven benefits are yours. These seven benefits are simply given to all those who place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. They're ours. We don't have to work for them. We don't have to uh, seek them. We don't have to buy them. They are ours. They are given to us at salvation as part of the... Doctrine of justification, when you and I are declared righteous by God, these seven benefits become ours. There's no need to do anything to obtain them. And we've seen in verse 1 that we have, because we've been justified, we have peace with God. And then secondly, we saw that we have access into the presence of God in verse 2. And we saw in verse 2 also that we have hope. In verse 3, we saw that we glory in tribulation in verses 3 through 5. Now this morning we come to the fifth benefit of justification here in Romans chapter 5, verses 5 through 11. We're told here why it is that we can glory in tribulation, as it says in verse 3, where it says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience, patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed. And also we're told why it is that hope maketh not ashamed. And that reason is because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. In Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11, Paul will develop the doctrine of the love of God. That doctrine he introduces here by saying the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is in us. He will develop that doctrine of love from verse 6 through verse 11, which we'll see next time. Because today all we're going to do is consider verse 5. And I want you to know with me two important facts about this fifth benefit of justification. First, note with me that God's love is shed abroad. God's love is shed abroad. Now, there's nothing profound about my outline, nothing startling. Uh, there is no uh, great uh, alliteration here. I'm simply going to take the two parts of the second part of this verse and talk about it. Okay? The love of God is shed abroad, and then we'll note that... the uh, Shed abroad by the Holy Ghost, okay? So first and foremost, God's love is shed abroad. The idea here is that it's not rationed. It's shed abroad. The word shed abroad is one Greek word. And it means to pour out or to gush. So the love of God gushes out in our hearts. The love of God is poured out in our hearts. One commentator put it this way. His love to us has been, as it were, diffused through our subconsciousness poured out in a glad experience as rain from the cloud, as floods from the rising spring. The love of God is not rationed. That's the point here. It's not given to you and I drop by drop. It's not like you and I are on life support and there is a spiritual drip connected to our arm and uh, in that is the love of God and that love is dripping into us little by little that you know we're getting little doses of the love of God. It's not rationed. The love of God is poured out by the Holy Spirit into the hearts of all those who are redeemed. If you are saved today, if you know Jesus Christ your Saviour, has there been a time and place where you recognized yourself as a sinner before a holy God and you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Christ alone for salvation, God's word declares that you have been justified, and if you've been justified, you have been redeemed. And if you've been redeemed, then the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart and my heart. It's been poured out abundantly in our hearts. In other words, it's supplied supplied to you and I freely, abundantly, and lavishly. And just like all the other gifts that God gives, it's free and it's absolute. It's a free gift that is absolute to all of us. There is no exceptions to this rule. If you're saved, God's love is shed abroad in your heart. If you know the Savior, God has lavished his love on you. Now the word love here is the Greek word agape. Which of course is that word that is used to speak of the sacrificial love of God that he showed for us when Christ died upon the cross of Calvary. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that he He should not perish but have everlasting life. That love, that's the love that's described here. The sacrificial love of God demonstrated to us by sending his son to die upon the cross of Calvary. It's not that love by which we love God. For hope does not depend upon or is supported by our love and obedience to God. The whole point of this verse is this, and hope is not ashamed. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. The hope that is not ashamed, the hope that doesn't disappoint, the hope of eternal glorification is not dependent upon our love for God. It's not dependent upon our obedience for God. This love, uh, this hope is ours because of what Christ did in us. And this love that you and I have shed abroad in our hearts, which gives us that hope, is given to us. It's not something that you and I obtain. This love is of God to us. The love is said to be shed abroad in our hearts. The word in here does not mean upon. It does not mean into us. It means that it's permeating every part. It is filling our hearts until it is overflowing. This is, you know, this is the love that you and I experience when, when you and I are going through difficult times and we, we experience God's loving arms embracing us and we experience the love of God, His tender love. That's this love. The idea is that once you and I are saved, we know with absolute certainty that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. And we know that that love is shed abroad because we experience it. And this certainty of possession of the love of God brings with it a certainty of salvation. You see, this is not something that we merely believe we're not being told here to believe that God's love is shed abroad. It's not something that you and I deduce or you and I argue out. This is not something we have to spend hours searching God's word and seeking it out and trying to figure it out and trying to figure out whether God loves me or doesn't love me and, and everything else. It's, there's none of that needed here. This is a statement of fact. It's a completed action. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. It doesn't say here that after some discussion about the matter, we come to the conclusion that God loves us. Okay? For the unsaved, it may take some conclusion and some discussion and some convincing that God loves them. That's true. But that's not the point here. What's been said to you and I as believers here is this, that if you are saved, God's love is shed abroad in your heart. It's something that the Holy Spirit does. God's love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. There is an assurance here of eternal security for all who are saved. The whole point of verse 5, in fact, the whole point of this whole chapter, is to demonstrate to you and I, if you know the Savior, then you are saved eternally. These are evidences of eternal salvation. And this one, this is a tangible evidence that you're saved. God's love is shed abroad in your heart. And therefore, the discussion here is a discussion about the fact that you and I are eternally secure, eternally saved. Because of that love. Look in Romans chapter 8, because as I said, Paul deals with these subjects again. But Romans chapter 8 and verse 35, he picks up this matter. Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As is written, for thy sake were we killed all the day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart, and if the love of God is shed abroad in your heart, there is nothing that can separate you from that love. That glorious truth, because this is a gift. It's not something we work for. It's not something we obtain. It's something that we have because we're saved. Just like all the other benefits of justification, this one is a gift given to you and I. It is free, and it's abundant, and it's complete. This love which was shed abroad in the heart is the source and spring both of justification and of its effects. This is the source and spring. God's love being shed abroad in our heart is the source of justification. God loved us and he demonstrates that love to you and I by when we get saved he abundantly pours out his love in our hearts. And because he does that what springs forth from that are the blessings of Romans chapter 5 and verses uh, 1 through 5, which is peace with God, access to the throne of grace, rejoicing in hope of the glory of God, the usefulness of afflictions, and the assurance of hope. All these things flow from the very fact that you and I have the love of God abiding in us. And it's the knowledge of God's love for us at salvation and since salvation that gives you and I hope for the future. And hope during trials. That's why, as it says in verse 4, we can glory in tribulation. Sorry, verse 3. But we glory in tribulations also. The reason why we can glory in tribulations also is because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. We know his loving arms around us. We've all been there. We're going through a dark time, through a dark valley. And we experience in our hearts the love of God. We have a peace that passes understanding that we cannot explain except for the fact that we're saved. And that's when we say, isn't it, you know, I'm glad that I'm saved during this time for I don't know how the unsaved would cope. Because, you see, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. We, we experience his loving arms around us. We experience within our hearts a, a, a peace that passes all understanding because the love of God is shed abroad in us. It's as though God is placing his loving arms around us and holding us tight to his chest And through the midst of the tribulation, we know he loves us. And that was shed abroad at salvation. That's a joyous thing. And if you're saved, you've experienced that at times in your life, to sparing degrees. You know, some valleys we go through are not that deep, and we experience his love. And then there are some real deep valleys Times whereby the, our worlds are turned upside down, maybe a loved one dies or whatever it might be. But in the midst of those things, what we experience is something that we cannot explain. We experience a peace of heart. We experience a, a genuine sense of love in our hearts. We cannot explain. Yes, we're sad the loved one has passed away. Yes, we're grieving that they are no longer with us. Yes, it hurts. And yes, every time we walk into the room where they would be, it brings back memories that cause us to shed a tear. Because there is hurt, there is pain, but somehow there is a, a unique experience because we're saved. And that's the love of God. And not only is the love of God the reason why you and I can glory in tribulation, but it's the reason why hope is not ashamed. But what he says at the beginning of verse 5, and hope maketh not ashamed. The phrase there, remember, is hope does not disappoint. Hope does not disappoint. We never are disappointed in our hope in God because love is shed abroad in our hearts. You see, because our hope is anchored in love, it never disappoints. If our hope was anchored in somebody else, we would be disappointed. If our hope was anchored in what we could do, then we would be disappointed. But our hope is anchored in love and that makes all the difference. Go to Second Thessalonians, please. Second Thessalonians, chapter 2. Second Thessalonians, chapter 2. And verse 16. says now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation, and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts, establish you in every good word and work, everlasting consolation, everlasting love, and good hope through grace. Comfort your hearts, establish you in every good work and uh, every good word and work. See, because we have been saved, God's love is shed abroad in our hearts. We know that we're saved because we know God's love. It's because God's love is shed abroad in our hearts that when we go through dark waters, as I said earlier, we experience peace with God, Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God Which path of all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The abundance of God's love for us gives us an abundance of hope. It's a glorious truth. It's a glorious experience. It's a glorious confidence. Hope is never ashamed. When we place our hope and trust in God, it's never ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. An absolute Truth. So note secondly that God's love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Here we have introduced to us a doctrine the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, which Paul is going to detail or going to handle in more detail in Romans chapter 8. To this is after what Paul does in his writings, particularly in Romans. He introduces a doctrine that he doesn't then explain in full, but he's going to pick up later in his book. Well, he does that here. He picks up the subject of the Holy Ghost, and then he's going to deal with the subject in detail, in more detail in Romans eight. not in detail, because he's not going to deal with the whole doctrine of, uh, of uh, uh, pneumatology in Romans 8, but he's going to deal with it in more detail in Romans 8. But he introduces it here, the Holy Spirit. And the interesting thing is, he introduces the doctrine of the Holy Spirit in the midst of a passage of Scripture, Romans 5, 5 through 11, that's dealing with the subject of God's love. Okay? Because he goes on in verse 6, he says, For when we were without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely for a righteous man would one die, yet per avenge for a good man would even uh, dare to die. But God commend his love towards us, and while we were sinners, Christ died for us, much more than being justified... By his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if we were, uh, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by life. And not only so, but but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. It's all about God's love. It goes on, actually, in the rest of the chapter. But he introduces the Holy Spirit to us here in the midst of a passage about the love of God. So why? Why does he do this? Why does he introduce it to us a new doctrine that he's not really going to deal with until chapter 8? Well, the reason is because they belong together. You can't have one without having the other. You can't experience the love of God being shed abroad in your hearts unless you have the indwelling Holy Spirit. They go together. You can't have one without the other. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is give, which is given to us. You can't have the love of God shed abroad in your heart without the indwelling Holy Spirit. Martin Lloyd Jones says that the teaching here is twofold. He says, The Holy Spirit is given to all believers at the point of salvation. And secondly, The Holy Spirit being given is a guarantee of the finality of our salvation, which is glorification. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit is given to all who believe at the point of salvation. And secondly, The Holy Spirit being given is a guarantee of the finality of our salvation, which is glorification. These are the two glorious truths that Paul's speaking about here. You see, the Spirit is not given extra to salvation. You don't get saved. And then some down, down, down the track, you receive the Holy Ghost. That you are baptized by the Spirit some other time, that there is a second blessing, there is a a second endowment of the Spirit's. The Holy Spirit is given to you and I at the point of salvation. Look in Romans eight, please. Romans eight and verse nine. But you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is not of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Okay? Verse 9. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is not of his. It's a statement of fact. The Spirit of God is given to you and I at the point of salvation. And he's given to every believer without exception. If you're saved, you have the indwelling Holy Spirit and you have the love of God shed abroad in your heart. If you're saved, God's Spirit dwells within you. Now this is the highest form of assurance for all of us who are saved. This is God showing to you and I that you are genuinely saved. You have the indwelling Holy Spirit. He is proof positive of salvation. Romans 8.16 The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. This is the highest form of assurance for all of us saved. God's Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. And how does he bear that witness? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Every time you and I experience the love of God being shed abroad in our hearts, we know we have the indwelling Holy Spirit because the indwelling Holy Spirit is causing that love to burst forth abundantly in our lives. You and I don't need to question whether we have the indwelling Holy Spirit because if you're saved, you've experienced that love of God being shed abroad in your heart. You know you have him. I mean, think about it. We know we're saved because of certain things that happen. You know, we pray, and then all of a sudden, something happens to demonstrate that to be true. And we know it in our hearts. That's the love of God. That's the Holy Spirit who indwells within us. This is the highest form of assurance that you and I can have because the Spirit of God bears with us our spirit that we are the sons of God. Martin Lloyd-Jones made this comment. He said, you cannot be a Christian without having received the Holy Spirit. There is no question about that. It is impossible. It is inconceivable. That means that the Holy Spirit dwells within every Christian. If you're saved, he indwells you. Now, we must not think the Holy Spirit merely as an influence upon us, but as dwelling in us. He is bearing witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. He is in us. He is moving us. He is speaking to us. He is challenging us. He is pouring God's love abundantly forth, gushing out when we need it in our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 9 and 20 is probably the most expe- specific and explicit passage when it comes to the matter of dealing with the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6, and this matter of the indwelling Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You see, because we're bought with a price, because we've been justified, because we've been redeemed, the Holy Spirit, therefore, takes up dwelling within us. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. Which we have of God, and we're not our own, because he dwells in us. And so in Romans 5.5, 5, we have revealed to us why hope cannot fail. it says, And hope maketh not ashamed, it cannot fail, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Why is hope not ashamed? Because we have the indwelling Holy Spirit assuring us. This hope of ours cannot fail. Or make us ashamed because the Holy Spirit has come into our hearts and He shed abroad the love of God. Look in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27. Colossians 1.27. Colossians 1.27 says, To whom God will make known what is the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. When we, speak about the, we often speak about the indwelling Holy Spirit in the terms of Christ in us, the hope of glory. But what we mean is, you know, the Holy Spirit indwelling us and everyone therefore can see Christ because the Holy Spirit said he would reveal Christ unto them. But we have him within us. This is the hope that we have as believers. We can glory in tribulation because we have the Holy Spirit assuring us. The indwelling Holy Spirit is proof of salvation, and proof of future glorification. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident in this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it in the day of Jesus Christ. How do we know that? Because we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. At justification, the Spirit of God came to live within us, and he abundantly gave unto us the love of God, daily testifying to the fact that we are the sons of God because His Spirit bears with us with our spirit that we are His sons and daughters. We are the children of God. And it's evidence, it's demonstration that God began the good work in us and the promise of God is He which began the good work in us shall indeed perform it until Jesus comes again. We will be glorified. That's why hope is not ashamed. That's why hope does not disappoint. Because the indwelling Holy Spirit is proof positive that we will be glorified. There's nothing surer than the truth that once you're saved, you're always saved. We cannot lose our salvation and the indwelling Holy Spirit is proof of that. If you've been saved, you cannot be unsaved. If you've been born in the family of God, you cannot be unborn. If you've trusted Jesus Christ, your Savior, you've been justified, you've been redeemed, you've been reconciled, and you've received the indwelling Holy Spirit at salvation as proof of that transaction. And the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that we might know daily that we are the children of God. The Holy Spirit is given to us as believers as a benefit, another benefit and proof of salvation. Turn to Ephesians, please, chapter 1. As here's a great passage with regard to the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm sure we'll come back to these again when we get to Romans 8. But uh, Ephesians chapter 1. We find a demonstration of what, what I'm talking about here. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 14. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, because verse 13 ends with, with that Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14 says, Which is the earnest of our inheritance till the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. Here Paul puts it a different term. In Romans he tells us that the love of God is, spread, is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is in you. The indwelling Holy Spirit which we have at salvation. Here he tells us the Holy Spirit is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption and the persuasation and the praise of his glory. Okay? So he's the earnest of our inheritance until the day we're glorified. The word earnest means down, deposit. The Holy Spirit is God's down payment on the guarantee that we'll be glorified. Now think about that for a moment. If the Spirit of God is the deposit, what is the actual inheritance going to look like? Okay, if I came to you and I gave you uh, you know, $30 million as the deposit, though, no, Kendall and Samuel uh, not going to happen, but if I came to you and I gave you $30,000 as the deposit of your inheritance, you would ask the question, wow, if that's the deposit, what does the inheritance look like? Now, in my case, if I promised you $30,000 as a deposit, the inheritance would probably look like a dollar. But, uh, you know, in God's case, if the Holy Spirit is the deposit, what's the inheritance look like? And he was given to you and I as the deposit of our inheritance at salvation. But then look in verse 13. I know I'm doing this backwards, but it's interesting because verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 1 says this. In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So he is the down payment of the inheritance, the damn paper of salvation for glorification. And his ministry, what's he doing? This damn payment that we have, what's he doing? He's sealing us and securing our salvation until we get to glory. So we've been given the Holy Spirit of promise at salvation. He is pouring out abundantly in our lives the love of God so that you and I daily experience the knowledge that his spirit is bearing with us our spirit, we are the sons of God, and he's sealing us until the day of redemption. This deposit is a guarantee of ultimate glorification. God's spirit is the dispenser of God's love to us. And since God's love is shed abroad, we receive the Holy Spirit when we receive salvation. Or conversely, to put it another way, God's love is shed abroad in our hearts as salvation because at salvation we receive the indwelling Holy Spirit. Now you need to remember this, that at salvation you and I get all of the Holy Spirit. And remember, the love of God is shed abroad. It is abundantly poured out, not dripped into us. It's not, you know, not a a drip infusion into us. The love of God is abundantly shed forth in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Well, the same is true of the Holy Ghost. When we receive him at salvation, we get all of him. We don't need second blessing, third blessing, fourth, 56th blessing of the Holy Spirit. We get all of the Spirit at salvation. We don't need a topping up of the Spirit. No, it's true, he needs to possess more of us. But when we get saved, we get all of him at salvation. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is a benefit of justification. It's an absolute benefit of justification. If you are saved, you have the Spirit. If you have not the Spirit of God, you're not of his. Remember that verse from Romans 8 and verse 11? If you have the Spirit of God, then you are saved. If you're saved, you have the Spirit of God. Now, the filling of the Holy Spirit takes place often. Because Ephesians 5.18 tells us, Be not drunk with wine, whereas excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be continually filled with the Spirit. That's required for sanctification. But for justification, there is nothing you and I have to do to get the Spirit of God except believe. Be saved. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Saviour, then you have the indwelling Holy Spirit. If you have the indwelling Holy Spirit, then the love of God is shed abroad in your heart, testifying unto you daily that you are the sons of God. We have the indwelling Holy Spirit. And because we do, we experience God's love daily. And as we daily walk in His love, as we yield to the Spirit, then what happens? We're transformed in the image of His Son. Because 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us that we've been transformed from glory to glory into the image of His Son by the Spirit of God. Now, the thing to remember here in this whole passage is that this passage is about assurance of salvation. Romans 5. It's not primarily about salvation. So even verse 8, but God committed his love towards us and while we had sins, Christ died for us. Effectively, it's not really about getting saved. That's what chapters 1 through 4 are all about. Chapter 5 is all about the benefits of justification. It's all about the assurance of salvation. How do we know we're saved? Because these benefits are real in our lives. We have peace with God. We have access to the Father. We glory in tribulation. Hope is not ashamed. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is, is shedding abroad in our hearts the love of God. These are proof of salvation. And therefore, we should never take Romans 5 5 out of context. It's about the great argument about assurance. So, to pass this week, I hadn't really thought it that way before. Until this week, in fact, I hadn't really thought about that until Friday morning tea time, when I realised I had a, a series of books on my bookshelf that I have not bothered to read in my research for Romans, and I picked up this, this volume on Romans chapter five, on Romans uh, chapter five through eight, and the author spends three chapters on this verse, verse five, three chapters on verse five, and I sat there and read all three chapters. And uh, I I said to pastor, I said, well, that blew my sermon out of the water because I was actually going to take you all the way through verse 8 today. But the more I thought about verse 5, the more I realized just how much was here. And then he made the statement, this is all about the assurance of salvation. I thought, wow, that does put a different slant on all of Romans 5. Because here is a glorious testimony that you and I are saved. You don't have to wonder about it. We know it. If you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, remember the Lord says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are saved. That's the fact of God's word. How do I know it? Is real in my life? Because the love of God is shed abroad by the Holy Ghost in my life. Because the Holy Ghost indwells me and because of that I have hope. I have peace. I have access to God. I can glory in tribulations because I have the indwelling Holy Spirit. One author said this, It is a sad and grievous thing that anyone should be uncertain as to whether or not he is a Christian, as to whether the Holy Spirit is in him. We are meant to enjoy these things. We are meant to be enjoying peace with God. We are meant to be enjoying the grace of God and standing in it We're meant to be boasting in anticipation of the glory of God in which we are going. We should know these things and be certain of them. If the Spirit is in you, He will bring you more and more to the assurance of these things. See, Romans chapter 5, the Lord is seeking to ensure you and I as believers that we can know we're saved, that we are eternally secure, Because these benefits are a reality in our lives. Remember, these are the benefits of justification. And they're absolutes. They're gifts of salvation. They're not things that we need to work for. If you're saved, then these benefits are yours. That's a glorious chapter, isn't it? If you're saved, these are yours. These are mine. The Holy Spirit has been given to you and been given to me as a down payment of our salvation and our glorification and that is a wonderful truth. He's the inward evidence of our salvation that we might know that God will keep his word and complete our redemption which is glorification. The first five verses of Romans 5 remind us of the basic importance of faith. All of this comes out of justification by faith. Being justified by faith, Romans 5.1, we have all these benefits. Faith is the foundation, and faith leads to hope, and that hope is made even more real to us because of the indwelling Holy Spirit who pours out God's love in our hearts daily, enabling you and I to rejoice in hope of the glory of God. To glory in tribulations, knowing assuredly that the God who saved us will keep us and enable us to arrive safely in glory one day. We ought to praise God for the assurance of glorification. Because of the presence of the indwelling Holy Spirit and the shedding abroad of God's love in our hearts, we have eternal security. Because we are eternally secured by the whole indwelling Holy Spirit. I trust you know that you're saved today. I trust you know Jesus Christ your Savior. I trust there's been a time and place in your life whereby you've acknowledged yourself as a sinner before a holy God. As Tiffan did in the children's story this morning, you recognize yourself as a sinner before a holy God and recognize the only means of salvation is Jesus Christ and that faith in him and faith alone will save you. And once you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Saviour, you too will experience all the benefits of justification, including the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the love of God being shed abroad in your heart. I trust you know him today. I trust that you're saved. And if not, why not trust him today? He's ready to save all who will call upon him. For those of us who are saved, let's rest in the knowledge that the Holy Spirit indwells in us. And because he does, God's love is shed abroad in our hearts. Therefore we can glory in tribulation and hope will not is not ashamed. Hope will not disappoint us. And let's be encouraged that even in the darkest times in our lives, the indwelling Holy Spirit will shed abroad in our hearts God's love to give us peace hope and comfort because the comforter has come to those who believe let's pray gracious father we thank you this morning for your word we thank you father god for the truth of your word we thank you father god for the power of this verse five i pray father god that you'd help us to understand it apply it trust in it father god today because, Father, what a blessing it is to know that if we're saved, the Spirit of God dwells in us and He abundantly pours forth the love of God so that hope is not ashamed. We can glory in tribulation because of the indwelling Holy Spirit. And if anybody listening or watching this message today who doesn't know you as their Savior, please, Lord, speak to them now. Challenge them and may they come to know you as their Savior. As we close, Father God, this morning, the piano plays, the comforters come. May we meditate upon these truths this day. This we ask in Jesus' name, amen.